Cool. Excellent. Um, yeah. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris. This is, as as Joe said, it's pretty short notice, so it was just at lunchtime. I was, have you got a speaker? So you have. Um, so there's my Twitter, Chris Spalton. I'm a senior user, uh, user experience consultant at a place called Foolproof, who you may or may not know, uh, an experience agency. We're based in here, uh, London, Singapore. Uh, I'm also a sketch noter, so I've been doodling away there, uh, just doodling there in this talk. And I'm also a hypocrite. Right, so uh, I'm not here to say I'm an expert in anything. Going through this talk, there'll be things that if you follow me, which I don't think many of you do here or, or know me, um, it's like, oh, he doesn't do that and he's telling us to do that, or he does this thing that he's telling us not to. But basically this talk is me thinking out loud and hopefully like it's, I'm part of, I'm on this journey and hopefully you get something from it, basically. So my talk is called, <laughs> You're Going to Die, oh, and no one's going to give a shit. Um, I did this in January, but times move fast, so I should probably replace these with Putin and Boris Johnson. But anyway, the, the, the deal is we're all going to die and we don't know when this can strike, right? It's, it can happen anytime, whether it's in a nuclear holocaust, whether it's a poison gas attack, whether it's illness or whatever else. It's going to happen. And no one's going to give a shit unless you make them, basically. And that's what my talk's about. It's... This book is really, was really important to me, this book by Austin Cleon. It costs about a tenner. This is where I've taken the ideas of this talk from, um, and I've got some examples of how I've used those lessons and you know how they've worked out for me. Uh, it's a really cool book. Um, get it, basically. It's been a life-changer for me, I, I'd say. And the whole point of this is the world is a better and more interesting place with your ideas in it, right? There's enough Nazis, dickheads, racists and knobends on the internet who aren't afraid to put their, their voice out there. And at the minute, social media is actually getting quite a bad rep because people are getting bullied and cyberbullying and all that sort of stuff, right? So it's down to nice, enlightened people like us to get our ideas out there to try and reclaim it from the, the assholes, basically. <laughs> Um, but the trouble is, is these people don't have any concerns with just blaring out their ideas and putting people down and that sort of stuff. But whereas normal, nice people do. And these seem to be like in conversations with my friends and my colleagues and things like this. These seem to be the blockers that stop people using social media. So A, they don't feel that their work or their ideas are good enough. B, they don't feel they're allowed. Maybe they're under NDA and stuff like that. I work under a lot of NDAs for the client. You know, we work for big financial clients and stuff like that. So you, you might feel that you're not allowed. C is that you just don't have time. Uh, we all live busy lives and we're up against deadlines and stuff. Another thing is I'm not a creative and I think this is a real shame that this one comes up that people think they aren't creative. Everybody's creative because even if you've got ideas about how your bins could be taken out better by your council, right? That's still an idea. The only difference between that and a create actual creative person is that the creative person writes it down. So everybody has ideas about every aspect of their life all the time, but they feel that they're Oh, I've just got a boring office job or whatever, so I don't have anything to say. And the last one is I don't know how to start. So I'll just go through these as quickly as I can because my talk is slightly longer than it should be. But, um, but yeah, so the first one is I'm not good enough, right? And this is, uh, this is a real blocker, I think. You, you see work out there, whether it's artists or anything like that, and it works on a level that it really inspires you to do better work but also intimidates you because you think, I can't get that far, so why would I bother doing that? If you know what I mean, I'm never going to reach that standard and people think I'm a bit crap. Um, but actually being good isn't enough. You have to be findable. So your work has to be online as well. Um, I've got a friend called Dow, who you know Dan, right? Who's an amazing artist, really, really, really talented artist. 
Um, and he was out of work for ages and he was there creating all these bits of artwork, but he's got this thing of like, I don't do social media. So he's actually got, even while, whilst I think it was useful for him, like when he was out of work in terms of his mental well-being and things like that, he's got a whole career waiting for there, but because he doesn't do social media, it will never see it. I've bought one print off him. I don't know if you have, Dan. Um, but like, how many are we going to buy of him, right? And his housemates, they can see him all the time, so they're not ever going to buy it, right? Um, so if your work isn't online, it doesn't exist. And obviously you guys, this is the first time I've spoken to a group of marketers, but obviously you guys do a lot of this for other people, but actually maybe it's time to start doing some stuff for yourself as well. Um, and you don't need to be a genius, which is great, because none of you are. No offence, but you're not. Right? <laughs> People like Leonardo da Vinci and Mozart and all those, like they come around once every 200 years, right? So the chances are, there might be one in here, right? I don't know you guys. Hopefully, well, say hello if you are one. But you don't need to be one. What you just need to do is find a scene, right? Like these guys, I don't know if you know these guys. These guys are called bronies, and they're um, grown men that dress up like My Little Ponies. And... <laughs> have a wonderful time hanging out with each other, right? And uh, if they can find a scene, yeah, you can, right? No matter what you're interested in. Somewhere along the line, there was the first guy who was like, I really need to tell my mate something. And it's like, I like dressing up as My Little Ponies. And his mate was like, yeah, so do I. Let's hang out and we'll see what other people do, right? So no matter what you're into, you can find a scene, however niche it is. And that's what you have to do. And creativity is always a collaboration anyway. No one's going to sit there. You're not going to get a lightning strike and invent something off the bat. So every idea that people have is taking a little bit from here and a little bit from there. So it's all about collaboration. You don't have any truly original ideas anymore. So it's by being on social, it allows you to connect with a wider group of people that you wouldn't normally do based on your interests, whether it's dressing up like a pony. And, um, you know, you can start to bounce ideas off each other. Like maybe you want to be a pink one. Maybe you want a rainbow tail. Who knows, right? But it's always a collaboration. And you really don't have to be the smartest. Like, I'm a senior UX consultant, so that implies I'm pretty good at UX, but I'm not even the smartest UXer on my desk at work. And I get to travel around the world sketchnoting conferences and drawing. I'm pretty well known for my sketching. I'm not even the most talented sketcher in my own living room. My girlfriend is way better than me. But the thing is, is I contribute to discussions. And so I've got my name out there and I get these opportunities as a result of it. And that's just for me drawing stick men pretty averagely, it, I get to go to America to draw stick men because there's nobody in New York that can do it apparently. So <laughs> That's cool, right? I'll take that. Um, and it's all about embracing being an amateur. Coming back to this kind of thing of, uh, you know, oh, I'm not the best at it. That's completely cool. Amateur comes from the French word amateur, which means lover of. It, you know, it gets a bad, bad rep because it's all sort of like, oh, he's an amateur footballer or that was really amateurish and stuff like that. Actually, we should embrace that and take that back because it's better to be, it's better to love what you're doing and do that out loud than it is to like, just be nervous about it. And it's like, I'm not going to be the best because you're not. The, world, the whole world's out there, right? So it's really take on board that. And I'm an exact proof that this works, right? <laughs> because I am definitely an amateur. And, you know, also being an expert narrows your field of vision because you always know that you always think that you know the answer because you're an expert in it. Whereas actually being an amateur opens up your things. I occasionally make stupid tunes and I make silly songs and stuff like that. Right. I don't need to worry about whether they're in the right key or I'm structuring this right. I'll just chuck a sample of a cockerel crowing in there. Right. Because I'm an amateur. I end up with some pretty cool songs out of it. Right. I, I think. Um, <laughs> and there's a quote. I, I still haven't updated this, but this is from a Japanese philosopher that's in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities in the expert's mind, there's few, and that's what I mean. You, you've got the freedom to experiment at it and no one should judge you for it. 
And the only difference between being crap and being good anyway is a whole bunch of little steps that you can do. And by doing that out loud, you make stronger connections with people. Uh, all of that last arrow being crap to being good is actually only this part here. The biggest blocker is from doing nothing to doing something. So um, I've got another quote by a famous philosopher that is if you're doing something, you're already fucking miles ahead of someone who's not, so start doing something. And that's from me. I'm not quite famous yet, but maybe I will be. Um, and also this idea of being like embracing being an amateur. I'm well into my sort of underground music and stuff like that. And here's, this is in the days before the internet, right? This is all like the most influential underground American bands. You've got Nirvana on there, you've got Sonic Youth, Soundgarden and stuff like that. These people didn't even have the internet, but they had an idea that they wanted to get out there and they didn't worry, let's make the, try and make the perfect poster so people come to our shows. They were like, we've got something to say, so we're going to say it. Even Kiss, like, you know, Kiss are a massive, massive rock band, right, for years. That, that's their very first um, gig poster and they needed a logo, they didn't have a logo, so Ace Freely just drew that logo and that's their first poster. And now that logo's on everything from lunch boxes to hot rod cars, it's even been on coffins, and so people have been buried with that on their coffin. And it just started because he had something to say and wanted to say it and didn't worry about it being perfect. And another great example of this is uh, the Obama Hope poster, when we still had some hope in the world and you know, it was, it was all right. Uh, this is by a guy called Shepard Fairey, and it's not like he just emailed the president out the blue and was like dude can I do your poster it didn't happen like that right it built up with this sort of taking this amateur uh, attitude to start with he started off with the Andre the Giant has a posse stickers which he put up all around uh, Providence and Rhode Island where he lived and in the days before the internet that kind of took off and got viral so so he turned that into the Obey brand and then uh, as a result of that it got refined further so he ended up doing the poster for that and that's the exact thing of embracing being amateur and learning out loud and delivering different things at different stages um, and taking some influence from that, I write a comic book about my old man, uh, the Eel Man Chronicles. So my dad's the last remaining eel catcher in the Fens. These are all true stories, right? And I don't know how to write a comic book. I've never written a comic book, right? But there's a comic book, yeah? Because I just had a go at it. I'm interested in this sort of thing. These are stories that need to be told. This one in particular is, he was involved, not involved, but he was uh, played a part in the Tony Martin shootings, if you remember those a few years ago. <laughs> and this is where the guys got shot and tried to flag my dad down and stuff like that, right? And I, you know, I could, these story, I've been telling these stories down the pub for years to my mates, and it's kind of like, I could have just kept doing that, but I was like, these should be documented in a thing, right? So I started, and this is just my rough, you know, drawing style. Now I've got the iPad, they're getting a bit more swanked up. But really, it's just like, as a result of that, What? Sorry, I'm not used to these newfangled devices. I've now got a range of stickers. I've somehow ended up my own clothing line. So there's hipsters from Shoreditch to Singapore walking around with t-shirts based on my old man. And there's stickers all around the world. This one's on top of Germany's highest mountain. The stickers are all over South America. When people go traveling, they take their stickers. Recently, the last one I got was uh, the Santa Maca Desert in Chile somewhere. There's now an Eel Man sticker on there. And it just goes to show, right, it's like, you can just do it. If you have an idea, get it out there and it can become a thing. As a result of this, I ended up talking at, uh, the, I don't know if anybody knows the Reasons 2 conference, the big creative conference in Brighton each year. So it's really well respected. They get world-class speakers there. I ended up doing an elevator pitch and stood there with a, you know, that's the biggest screen I've ever stood in front of. It's like a huge cinema screen. They held the Eurovision Song Contest here and all sorts of things of my dad in front of it to three or four hundred people and I actually ended up winning that elevator pitch so I'm going back there in September now to um, 
uh, do a full talk on it. And that would have never occurred had I thought, uh, this I, I don't know how to write a comic book, I won't have a go and stop it. So that's what I mean about this embracing the amateur thing. And even if it isn't the best comic in the world, right? It's not The Watchman, it's not The Dark Knight or anything like that. That's completely fine as well, because 90% of everything's <laughs> shit anyway, right? Like, he makes a decent living out of peddling absolute inane crap, right? So why can't I? If, why don't I make a tune, right? Why don't I write a book or something, right? It might be crap, like, hopefully it won't, but, I, you know, I won't try purposely to make it crap. But even if it is, does it really matter? I want to write a book, so I will write a book. And it, you know, if anybody enjoys it, it's like this talk, right? I don't know if this talk is shit or not, but I'll find out at the end, yeah? <laughs> you don't know until you put it out there whether it is or not. So I think also trying new things is really important. So like try, I guess this, this fits into your, a bit like um, Eleanor was just saying about the different formats of your content, like whether it's videos and animations and stuff, right? Just don't settle for this, I'm good at this, so I'll keep doing this thing because you might be missing out on an audience and missing out on connections that you can make by trying something new. Um, in terms of your personal stuff as well, I think this is a really important point. Um, this is another nugget of wisdom is in your bios when I first went on Twitter I was like what do I actually call myself I had my first sketch note ready to go which was pretty crap anyway but it was like just say you're a thing and then do the things that thing does and you'll be the thing yeah it's like so I wanted to be a sketch noter I was like what to sketch I'll, I'll call myself a sketch noter then if I make sketch notes I guess I'll be a sketch noter and likewise I was out of work before I joined Foolproof and it was like right well I want to get into UX so I'll just put, I'm a UXer in there. And then if I do the things that a UXer does, I'll be one. And lo and behold, now I am one. Um, so I think that's really important to do. And also this is a good example of that. Even change your focus if you're interested in doing something different. Um, there's a guy called Mike Cuss, who I saw speak at Reasons actually. And he's a really well-known designer. And he had designer and photographer on his um, bio. And he was just like, actually, I fancy doing more photography. Switched it, switched it round, and now he gets flown all around. You know, he was always good at photos, but the, adding that extra focus that was there, he ended up getting more opportunities to do that because it's not like, oh, you do photography on the side, you do this now, so we'll give you opportunities doing that. Um, I'm not allowed. We all, like I said, we all work under NDA. I work under a lot of them because we work for you know big commercial projects and things like this. We work for brands like Shell and HSBC and all these all these good people, um, and. We're under NDAs quite a lot of the time. And what I've realised here is, so you, people think they can't share their work as a result of that, because you, know, you, you could lose your job, you could get in trouble with your bosses, you could even get in legal trouble. But the way to avoid this is to take ownership of your process, not your product, because you, they might own the final product because you're doing the work for them, but you own your process, and that's where you make the decisions, and that's actually where you care about things that have been made. You might not care about the Mona Lisa, for example, right? It's supposedly a masterpiece. It's all right. It's a picture of a woman, right? Cool, no worries. But actually, it leaves me a bit cold, yeah? And he's put a lot of work into that. But where he's... <laughs> it's built up from all these different aspects, right? He had to choose what location he placed her in, what canvas he used, what paint he used, what colour scheme he used, what tools he used, the model, the lighting and the frame. All those things added up to that. So even if someone owns the, the final product and you put that out there, the reaction could still be like, Mara. But actually, there's a community, coming back to that ponies thing, if you're into ponies, you're definitely into colour scheme and lighting and the tools that you use to do that. So there's a community out there that you can connect with and you know, make more human connections there by discussing the sort of work that goes into it. Uh, a good example of this is we did the Simply Health website um, and basically Guy Luke, a designer at our work, he 
this went on for a couple of months and it, it took several months to think and he was like oh, i could have shared anything here i couldn't have shared anything and now it's released and i've got nothing really to say because it's under nda they're actually going for a new branding thing so we couldn't share any of it and the thing but we had a big argument about that tiny little login icon up there right because um it was that's where we were making decisions it was like what is the, is a per person right for a login icon, is it in the right place? Does it need a label? Does it need color schemes? And we, we were having arguments and debates at work about that. And that's all the sort of stuff we could have reached out or discussed anyway, or written a blog post about an icon design, right? There's loads of icon designers out there. And that was an opportunity, even though we couldn't talk about the main product, it was an opportunity to talk about a small aspect of it. And that's what I'm talking about, about the process. Also hiding things doesn't help anyone anyway. And it's like, I'm a firm believer in finding opportunities to help people where you can. Uh, a good example of this was, like I said, we worked for a lot of banks and open banking was coming out, um, which last few weeks or whatever. And I was working with two banks simultaneously, but because of the NDA, it was all secretive, right? So in one room, you had the bank saying, oh, we've got problem A sorted out, but we really can't solve problem B. And then you'd walk it, but don't tell anyone because it's top secret. And then you'd walk in the next room the next day and they'd be like, oh, we've got, we're struggling with problem A, but we've got option B sorted out. And it's like, you're both talking about the same stuff. And maybe you could, if the banking world came together as a unit and said to customers, uh, you know, open banking's coming out, we've worked together, we can explain it better to you here, you know, it would have been fine because lo and behold, they're all being really secretive, open banking came out and then you see the BBC news and it's like, oh my God, like uh, open banking, what does it mean? Everybody's gonna steal your data, which isn't the case at all, right? So work doesn't steal for, speak for itself. It's like if your work happens to be an orange circle, hopefully it's slightly better than that, but that could be without any context, it could be misinterpreted as a sun, a moon, an orange, a football or a pizza. And that's cool, but it's like, you need the context and the explanation to make real connections with it. And it's cool having an idea and talking about the idea, and it's cool having the final product, but the hard work in the middle is where the stories are. And like I said, that's the thing where you're actually passionate about. I don't care about a Simply Health website, really, but I do care about the decisions that we made in order to make that the best we could. So show what you're working on right now. People might not like to see how the sausage is made if it involves lips and eyelids and assholes and stuff, but actually in the digital world, people do like to see what goes on and it's the behind the scene that, that makes it really um, you know, resonate with people. So an example of this, I've got a couple of examples. This is like a presentation. So this was for a huge um, commercial client. I couldn't show the deck, I couldn't show what we were working on or anything. So instead I just mapped out, I was mapping out my presentation anyway. And it hasn't gone viral, probably nowhere near the numbers you guys are used to, right? But that's literally just a piece of paper with black squares on it and some notes. And they've got 18 retweet and 51 likes, right? And it's just like, you can't even read it. You don't know what it is, but it's the, the behind the scenes. It's the behind the scenes view. And likewise, we did a sketch note video um, for another client. It was all, all about their future vision and things like this. So I created a big sketch note and we filmed it all stop motion and stuff like that. Um, and you know we couldn't show that because it's their plans for the future. But we showed process shots like this, and I, this was actually what made me realise this was the deal because we ended up getting a lot of Twitter inquiries about sort of oh what camera stands are you using and what gear are you using like that because it's the process that people need to help them solve problems. Um, and so that was really what yeah enlightened me on that. So. The deal is take more photos. Uh, I have this challenge every time I do this talk. So you've got the hashtag, right? So my challenge for everybody tomorrow is if it's, what is it, hashtag NMM, yeah? Is at lunchtime, when you've had time to settle into your day and you're having to chill out and you're having your sandwich, take a photo of the thing that you've been working on that morning and just put a little bit of context on it, behind the scenes stuff, 
whatever. If everybody does that, you see, we'll all get to see, maybe there's some connections here of, oh, I'm working this, maybe I'm on Google Analytics or maybe on that URL thing. Sorry, I can't remember the name of it, but maybe I'm on that, you know, and oh, I found this little tool. So that it's a way for, you know, even on a small scale, this community and like the hot source community and everybody like that, if we do all do this, it's already sharing ideas in Norwich um, and, you know, other people can pick up on that. The other one is, uh, another problem is I don't have the time. I hear this a lot. Um, I just don't have the time to catch my work. You know, uh, it's, uh, I'm stressful and busy. Can anybody tell me what this is? Well, the way anybody got an idea of what that is? A journal, perhaps? A journal? Oh, it's First World War. So it's a diary from the Battle of the Somme, a visual diary from the Battle of the Somme, right? Just some stats about the First World War. On the first day, there were 60,000 British casualties and 20,000 deaths. They had 1.7 million bombs dropped on them in seven days. They got gassed with poison gas. They got all kinds of weird diseases and rank feet. They got shell shock. They Generally, it was a pretty hellish time, right? Um, by the end of it, there had been 1.3 million um, deaths on both sides, and we advanced six miles in 141 days, right? That sounds pretty fucking busy to me, yeah? And they still shared stuff. You work for a tech company in Norfolk, right? So don't give me that, yeah? It's about priorities, because the same people that tell me they haven't got time will happily take pictures of themselves pouting. Nice one, you've got a face. Most people do. There's that one lady who got attacked by a chimp once and she was on Oprah Winfrey. She's got a story to tell. Cool, show your face. Other than... Taking pictures of your dinner, wicked, you, you eat, so does every other living creature on earth. Um, it's a nice one, you're not really special. I'll give you a pass if you're showing processed shots of your cooking, but uh, not just if you're doing um, food that you bought. And one of my favourites is, you know, everybody does this pint, you know, a pint on a uh, pub table, which basically shows you're able to queue for a short amount of time and hand over some money. So nice one. Um, I did have a slide where I call your kids dumbasses, but I took that one out. So, uh, <laughs> what I'm actually interested in is what you do, right? And coming back to this, take more photos. If you capture one thing a day, in a month you'll have 30 things, and in a year you'll have 365 things. Um, and the way I use my social media is like, I use my Twitter as like an ongoing scrapbook and diary of this is what I'm doing now, this is what I'm doing now, this is what I'm doing now, this is what I'm doing now. And whether that's, you know, I've just colour coded these, maybe that's I'm talking about UX or I'm talking about comics or I'm talking about sketch notes. Going back and reflecting on that, it allows you to sort of collect them and organise them into topics that you were talking about. Um, and that helps with longer form content. So this might help you guys out in, in your world as well. It helps you with longer form content. So another example of this was literally a lunch, uh, lunch break. I was... I just had 10 minutes, so I drew, I was like, I sketch, I do UX, so when do I sketch in UX, right? So I drew these few things out, literally 10 minute doodle, right? Just uh, messing about. Put it on Twitter, got a pretty good response to that. So then, a little while later, I went back to it, and I was like, actually, it could do a bit more context. So I did like a Twitter thread, and added just a line or two about what I was doing at each stage, and how I use that, and that got a good response. So I was like, actually, maybe there's something else in here. So I wrote a blog on it, Pens, Process and Product Sketching for UX. I've never written a blog before, but I was like, maybe I can have a go at this and, and laying this out. Um, so I put that on my medium. That got picked up by this uh, uh, publication called UX Planet. People started sharing it and tweeting it out on LinkedIn and stuff. Eventually it got picked up. I don't know if you guys know these companies, but like InVision especially, that's like the biggest um, UX software out. They picked it up and published it on their blog. 
And this was again from me just going, well, I'll have a go at that. I've never done it before. And on my one, 16,000 people have read it. And given, that's just on my thing. And given the reach that InVision and Marble have got, I'm, and the, you know, what they've told me, I'm pretty confident like 50, 60,000 people have read it. So now I'm some authority on it, right? Even though it's just me going, oh, I'll just turn that 10 minute doodle into something, right? And it's resonated with people. But I'd have never known that if I hadn't had it go. And like I said, it helps, you know, that it comes around in cycles, but blogs seem to stick around a lot and start to get, they, they have their peak and then it fades away for a bit and then it comes back around and it comes back around. Um, and I've just written another one for InVision as well. So that's uh, on research. So that's out and about now. And all this sort of stuff helps like create a library of you. I just see it as like it's like I said, it's sort of this idea of getting your ideas down. If I hadn't have done this, none of this would have happened. And it's like actually I've built up this library. So uh, you know, coming back to the, the it's written down. Like when the aliens come down and observe the charred remains of Earth, right? Maybe they'll think I'm some thought leader and build a statue to me because I'll have notepads kicking around, yeah. And nobody else has got that. So it's like ah, oh, he must have been thinking, right? The other thing is to be patient. I don't know whether this works in your world or not, but as an individual, we got a guy at work. I was like, you need to get on Twitter. He's a really talented designer. I was like, you need to get on Twitter. And he put something up there. He's got no followers. And he just expected it. I mean, he's super talented, right? But he just thought he'd put it up there and it'd be like, amazing, there's a new legend in town. So like, oh, I mean, stop the press, right? And it's like, actually, it takes time and it takes conversations. And I don't know how that works in your world, but like coming back to that aspect of contributing to stuff, it's like, it's actually conversations and building human connections up with people it's not just I don't even want to go viral really because then you just get again all the all the Nazis and stuff give you crap but it's like you know it's finding the right audience and the people that you can connect with to help both you and them and share ideas and yeah coming back to this I'm not a creative and no one cares what I do we all actually solve problems every single day I worked in a call center for years I still solve problems for both customers and my colleagues and it's like it's a case of documenting them because what you know, kind of what might feel like common sense to you is can always help somebody out because somewhere the things about being a creative, not being a creative person is there's loads more people that don't feel they're creative than there are designers or artists. Right. So actually, the chances are you're coming up against problems and solving those problems that a lot of other people haven't. And it's just a case of starting that that conversation. Sorry, I've got a bit of a dry mouth. Like at Foolproof, um, we're known as an experienced design agency. But actually, we, you know, there's client services in there, there's the design, there's the research, project management, there's the leadership, the dev, the strategy in the front of house, and even people like front of house, right, the receptionist, yeah, that's seen as a lowly job, but they are total pros at that, and like, they are way better at that than I ever would be, and there's, there's things like how to greet people, how to move them through the space, when to top up the coffee, what food to get them, and all those sort of things, and there's there's a ton of receptionists out in the world, right? So maybe we could become leaders in agency life in general just by supporting all these different aspects and starting conversations with them. So I'm on a little bit of a mission for that this year as well. Uh, and anyway, you only ever have one job in life. It's all well and good. Like you guys working for these different brands and marketing their stuff, that's fine. But they can get rid of you. You can be made redundant. Something could happen, whatever might happen. Yeah. And this keeping a track of your own social media stuff, you're actually, you only ever have one job in life and that's working for yourself no matter who you're, who you happen to be doing it with at the time. I'm quite, uh, I've been made redundant at short notice. I've been sacked for doing some things. Um, <laughs> polite, friendly things. It was never anything shady. Um, but uh, just a, a bit of a, what was the right word? Anti-establishment viewpoint at times. Um, 
but you're working for yourself, right? And it's like, that's forever. So it's like, I don't think you don't have the time not to do this sort of stuff because that's a track record for you. I'm fairly confident if you're it. You know, unfortunately, I love working at Foolproof, but if I get made redundant, at least there's a track record of what I've been doing on Twitter and these different blogs and stuff like that. Uh... There we go. Common sense isn't so common. <laughs> that's what I just said. Um, Another great way to develop stuff is by learning and teaching and doing things like talking. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be talking, but teaching people. I'm better now at sketching for UX because I wrote a blog about it than I ever would be if I uh, just carried on sketching because it makes, forces you to formulate your thoughts and set up an approach and stuff like that and actually make it think of it in a different way and similar to this. I'm probably not, but hopefully better at public speaking because I'm doing things like this, right? And I've had to actually thought how to organise my thoughts. Um, I find public speaking the most, you know, rewarding, but it is pretty terrifying. So you can start a blog or, you know, a video, a podcast or, you know, whatever, Instagram stories or all those kind of things. It's all a way of sharing your information and sharing knowledge and making human connections. And it's also like good old Zamo. I don't know if anybody remember him, but it's just say yes. Like coming back to this original point, you're going to die anyway. So who actually cares, right? On my deathbed, am I going to be like, oh, that guy I didn't know on Twitter thought my stick man was crap, right? <laughs> I'm not going to give a shit. So actually, like, why bother, right? It doesn't matter putting it out there. Like, the world is a better place for having ideas out of it. Unless you're an arms manufacturer or something. Generally, if you make something, the world is a better place for it. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that. And even if you're not ready to... Um, Make something yourself. You like cool stuff, right? I like comic books. I like weird bands. I like sketches. I like history. I like Norfolk. I like Jack the Ripper, things like that, right? And it's like, you can even find that's a good way. Even if you're not ready to share stuff yet, you can still share your interests and find um, stuff to connect with. And it's your influences that actually shape everything you do, right? It's like listening to this guy here that might have got me sacked from the thing, right? Because he doesn't really care about the corporate life, so to speak. And you're only coming back to that thing as your your collaboration. You're only ever as good as your record collection. That's from a DJ Spooky. It's like that's a collaboration with. A, they don't make the music, right? But they combine the two and share, combine the ideas, and produce something new out of it, which engages with people. A few things. This probably might not work for you guys, but as an individual, uh, I try and follow this format of. Um, sharing 60% of other people's stuff because people genuinely appreciate it. That's how, if you like something, rather than people going on, um, you mentioned complaining on social media, and look, rather than complaining on stuff on social media, you know, so many people do it, let's share the stuff we like, right? Like, this is cool, this dude did a cool thing, so here it is, I like this. Um, and then 30% of your stuff, um, so I created this, and then 10% of you, so whether that's things like your music taste and things like that, if you, if you do end up following me, you'll be prepared for some horrible noise every now and again, basically, because that's the kind of music I'm in, into. Um, and be careful about coming human spam. Again, this might work because as a brand, you've got a you know you've got a mission to to promote stuff. But I think I've got another mate who thinks he's a marketer. I think he is a marketer. I don't know enough about what he actually does day to day. But on his Twitter, it's just kind of like. And please forgive me if any of you did this, but it's kind of here's your top ten seven tips to improve your SEO and stuff like that, right? And it's just all these these things like this and he doesn't put any of himself into it so it could literally just be a bot doing it and he, I don't think he's ever going to really connect properly by doing that I, I keep saying you need to it's cool if it's got here's your top 10 seven tips to improve your SEO but maybe add a bit of extra context about why you think that's good don't just hit retweet and pump it out because there's nothing there's not a person there uh, 
And the last point is, this is the easiest one of all. I don't know how to start. This guy doesn't give a crap, right? He's just doing it. He's legging it. He's like, he's not asking anybody's permission. And it comes down to that first thing, like the, you know, when they write my biography, it'll be like, oh, and he hid the first tweet and then he got to draw somewhere in America or wherever. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, you don't have to ask anybody's permission. As long as you're not hurting anybody, it's just like, do it. There's nothing to be scared of. There's enough crap out there that, like I said earlier, it's like, it doesn't, why why shouldn't you contribute to the discussions basically um so essentially that boils down to just fucking do it obituaries aren't about people dying poor old mo lester <laughs> unfortunate name <laughs> um but it's about the cool shit they did when they were alive right so um so do that and that's how that's when I, you know, when I do finally die, I want my obituary to say, whether I, I'm not, you know, they're any good, but I want it to say he wrote a book and he released a seven-inch record and he did a comic book and he did all these things. Cause I just think that's cool. I'm not too interested in progressing upwards to an extent. My girlfriend calls me a horizontal burrower. She's just like, oh, you see this and you go have a go. You're pretty crap at that. And then you go and have a go at this. You're pretty crap at that. But I like the variety and I like moving around and trying different things. And it's like, why not, basically? We're only here for a short time. So if I want to have a go and write a book, why not? Um, and so, the, you know, I stopped smoking weed ages ago, but um, sharing is caring, right? And, and spread the love with each other is what I, I mean. It's, this comes back to it. We do live in uncertain times, yeah? And I, it bums me out so much when I wake up and check, check Twitter because the news is bad and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, actually, what is the purpose of human beings on earth? It is to connect with each other and help each other out, right? Regardless of money and all that sort of stuff. That's important because it helps us in our day-to-day -day life. And I'm not naive enough to think it isn't, but actually let's try and connect with each other, especially in these times when you've got these you know, white nationalist movements and stuff like that. Let's try as good people to kind of, um, you know, not be like that and change the, <laughs> change the tide basically. Um, so yeah, just to, just to recap, if you're not good enough, learn out loud until you are, that's totally cool. If you don't think you're allowed, find the opportunities that are there in your workflow and, and adopt those. I just don't have the time. If you share one thing a day and make it a habit, you'll notice that you do definitely have time and things will happen from it. I'm not creative, no one cares what I do. And you know something that can really help other people, so you just need to find those people and they know something that can really help you. And I don't know how to start, just fucking do it. So you are going to die, but make someone give a shit. That's the moral of this tale. Thank you very much. There's my Twitter. Wings. <laughs>